It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host. Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S. Follow the show on Twitter at L O Thunderpod. Email the show, L O Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405 362 7128. On today's show, brought to you by rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We will dive into the news that Daryl Morey, is being hired by the 76ers to be their president of basketball operations. We're also going to get to the Reddit mailbag, which continues with an amazing question. If you could be a fly on the wall for any decision in Thunder history, what would it be? And then we'll have our second mock draft Thursday where I compile all the mock drafts on the internet and tell you who they have the Thunder picking. Let's start with Daryl Morey, though. That is the biggest NBA news of today. And Daryl Morey has now become the president of operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. And, and he almost made the move to the 76ers a year ago at, at around this time. And this kind of aligns. And, and I know that when he stepped down from the uh, Rockets, he was said to wanting more time with his family, uh, and that being the reason he stepped down. Some people think that the reason he stepped down is because he was no longer welcome in Houston, and now we find out he will be in Philadelphia. So what does this mean for the Thunder? I think that this is a grand slam hire for the 76ers, but if you want the 76ers' take on this, go listen to Locked On Sixers. But this is a fantastic hire in my opinion. What does this mean for the Thunder, though? Well, we know that Daryl Morey loves Chris Paul. The, the Chris Paul falling out in Houston had more to do with James Harden. In fact, it had all to do with James Harden and Tillman wanting to switch things up than it did with Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey is a, is a Chris Paul guy, and he did not want any part of Russell Westbrook. And then whenever, whenever that move was kind of forced on him by ownership, that's when things turned south. And then of course, you also have the China incident. Now, that pairing is a good one. Chris Paul in Philadelphia is something I've talked about since May of Chris Paul being that playmaking playmaking guard on the perimeter can really open things up for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Really, I think that Chris Paul is still very much in play for the Sixers. I know that there's some history there with Maury. There's some history there with Doc Rivers. But look, Doc Rivers coached Paul George, who, by the way, cheated on his daughter with a stripper and got her pregnant. And he was fine coaching Paul George. If you can jump over that bridge, you can jump over whatever bridge was left behind by Chris Paul and his time with the Clippers. I think that that is a non-starter. If this deal doesn't get done, if Chris Paul's not with the Sixers, I don't think it will be because of personal 
vendettas or personal beef between him and Doc Rivers or him and Daryl Morey. So what would be the realistic package for Philadelphia? Because I don't think that Morey, and this is important to this conversation, I don't think that Morey hops in here and tears apart Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I don't think he pops in here and wants to play small the way he did in Houston. I think that he thought in Houston playing small would be the most, you know, beneficiary uh, system for Russell Westbrook and James Harden. You surround Harden and Westbrook with a lot of, with a lot of shooters. Uh, Harden can create for himself. Westbrook opens the paint up to drive and kick out the shooters, which is what we've always wanted in Oklahoma City. He thought that was the best route to go. He didn't think that that's the best route in general, I don't think, to play basketball. I think that he just thought that that was the best for that team. I think that Daryl Morey takes at least a year to look at NB, look at Simmons, and see how he can maximize their talent. And a way to do that, I think, is with Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul really helps the 76ers. I think that when the 76ers wanted, uh, and, uh, wanted Simmons to play the four, that really helped their team. And, and the best guard they ever had to allow Simmons to flourish at that four position was Shake Milton. Now you're improving that to Chris Paul if a deal gets done. So what would a Chris Paul to Philadelphia deal look like? And I know that a lot of you get excited about Ben Simmons. I don't think that that's on the table because of all the things I just said about Daryl Morey wanting to give it a year and see what he can do with that core. To me... The trade would be Matisse Thibel and Al Horford. That would be the, the bare minimum trade. The best case scenario for Oklahoma City is you get your pick back this year, plus you get Matisse Thibel, plus you get Al Horford, and all you got to do is give up Chris Paul. Simmons not involved whatsoever. And the reason you do this for Oklahoma City, that Al Horford contract is a bad contract right now. I totally understand that and agree with that. For Oklahoma City... They don't care. They don't want the salary cap. They don't need the salary cap space. They don't need to get involved in free agency. In fact, they can't get involved in free agency because they're not going to convince any of the, of the mega stars in 21 to sign with them. So you might as well take on long-term money to get a great asset in Matisse Thibel and then whatever a first-round pick would turn into, whether that's this year, getting your own pick back, or if it is in the future. So this deal would be incredible for Oklahoma City. I don't care about Horford's contract. I really don't. I think that the Thunder wouldn't care about Horford's contract when you're trying to rebuild, you're trying to tank. I would also say, Al Horford looked really bad in Philadelphia. He did. That was also not a team constructed to fit Al Horford's skill set. They really, what Philadelphia did, was they were desperate to make a move, they wanted to make a move, and so they just made a move without thinking about it. They said, you know what, Al Horford is always stopping Joel Embiid. He's a great Joel Embiid defender. Let's take him away from our rival in Boston. Let's make the Eastern Conference weaker, presumably. Let's make the Celtics defensive Joel Embiid weaker, presumably. And let's bring in Al Horford. They did that, and it just never clicked and never worked. With the change of scenery, though, I think Al Horford can make himself look like a better asset than he is currently. He is getting older, so so maybe he stays the same. And if that's the case, again, you're fine in Oklahoma City taking on long-term money. But Matisse Thibel would be absolutely amazing for this young core. He is a great defender that shot 35% from deep this year. He would be phenomenal and electric to watch with Lou Dort next to him playing defense. He's also a YouTube star, and Shay put on Instagram that he might make a YouTube channel. So this team becoming fun and becoming inviting to fans and letting fans peek behind the curtain a little bit, the way that you saw the Thunder U era when they're making dance videos and whatnot on the internet, that is how you create another fan base. That is how you get a new audience. That is how, while you're losing for a year or two and purposely trying to lose before you go back to 
after the postseason. That is how you keep fans engaged by being likable. Matisse Thibel, very likable. Shea, very likable. Lou Dort, very likable. Darius Baisley, extremely likable. That is what this core is going to do even while they lose. Because while they lose, you're still going to be playing great defense, which will keep the older generation at bay. The, the older generation will not look at this team and say they're not even trying because they will give effort and grit every single night. You're going to have the off-the-court stuff, which will keep the younger generation involved. You're going to have Shea's outfits. You're going to have Thibault's vlogs. You're going to have all of that. So this core... Before you even make an ever-important draft pick on Cade Cunningham next year or whomever the next two years, this core already has the foundation, that of a championship. Would be phenomenal to get back for a player in Chris Paul at a year ago this time. You thought you would have to attach first-round assets in the future to get rid of them. And now, all of a sudden, we're talking about putting together a foundation that could lead you to a Larry O'Brien trophy. What Chris Paul has done this season to overhaul his value has been nothing short of of fantastic, phenomenal, and amazing. I don't think that Daryl Morey stays idly by his first offseason on the job. I think that he looks at this core, and he wants to get the answers too. He wants to know, can I do anything that someone else hasn't to this point to make Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons work? And what does that mean that you're going to add to that core and the best player available on the open market is Chris Paul, and it fits, in my opinion, with what you should want to do. You should want Ben Simmons to play the four position. Chris Paul does that. When Shake Milton was at his best, and I know it's a laughable name, when Shake Milton was at his best, that team was really good, and their offense was good in spurts with Shake Milton. Upgrade Shake Milton to Chris Paul, it's going to be a good team. I mean, it is. And then you have the leadership of Doc Rivers, you have the leadership of Chris Paul, and you have Daryl Morey, who's making some smart basketball moves his entire career. This is the best thing for Philadelphia, the best thing for Elton Brand, the best thing for Daryl Morey. This is going to be fun to see what he does with Philadelphia, and I think that Chris Paul could be in line to go to the city of brotherly love, but you should go to rockauto.com, find all the parts your car would ever need at rockauto.com. They're an amazing selection and reliably low prices. Listen, they've been in business for 20 years serving you auto parts. That's right, 20 years ago online, you probably had dial-up internet, so when someone calls your landline phone, your internet would quit working, you wouldn't know what to do. But in between those landline calls, you could have been going to rockauto.com and finding all the parts your car would ever need. My favorite part about rockauto.com is the website itself. It is so easy to navigate. In fact, I don't have to know anything about cars because all I have to do is put my make, my model, my year into their database, and they're going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle, and I'll be able to select the best one. Otherwise, I would have no idea what I was doing. I'll be completely honest with you. I'm not a car guy. I would have no idea what to do. I'd be buying parts that couldn't even fit with my car. It would be a disaster. But rockauto.com saves me from being a disaster. So go to rockauto.com and put locked on in the how did you hear about us box and they'll know what to do from there. Rockauto.com, amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter 
at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. A bit of breaking news. The Thunder are the final team searching for their next head coach as Houston has hired Steven Silas from the Dallas Mavericks, one of my top five candidates um, for the Thunder as early as earlier this week, uh, or as late as earlier this week, whatever the case may be. I want him in Oklahoma City. He goes to Houston. What has been a disastrous offseason for Houston gets a little bit better. That's a great hire for them. I really like that hire for Houston. We'll see how it pans out in the future. Lots up in the air about their roster construction and what's going to be with their future without a GM and with a bad owner. We'll see what happens there, but I do like the coaching hire in a vacuum. So good hire, Houston. Still waiting for Oklahoma City. Now we dive into the Reddit mailbag. And this first question might be the best question I've ever seen in any mailbag in the history of podcast mailbags. This one on Reddit comes from iCarpet. And iCarpet asks, if you could be a fly on the wall for one decision made in Thunder history, which one would it be? So I debated between a lot of different answers. I debated between, of course, the answer I settled on. I also debated the, the Paul George trade because we've, we've heard a lot about that Paul George trade, right? We've heard about the panic from the Clippers of wanting to secure him so they could secure Kawhi. We've heard about Oklahoma City leveraging Toronto to get the best package possible from the Clippers and Toronto helping them out because they wanted to, to really hurt the Clippers because they're taking Kawhi. We've heard all those stories. I want to see what's fact, and I want to see what's fiction. I want to see the first package that the Clippers offered. I want to see the hesitation that they countered with whenever the Thunder countered with getting Shea back. I want to see all of that, but I didn't quite settle there. I also thought about the James Harden trade, but I feel like that's been so long ago that we kind of know what happened. We, we know why it happened. We know when it happened. We know all of that. What I picked was, I want to be at Sam Presti's house on the 4th of July, when he finds out Kevin Durant is leaving, or whenever it is, he found out Kevin Durant's leaving. Although it sure seems like he didn't know, just like we didn't know. But whenever it was, he found out Kevin Durant's leaving, I want to be there. And I want to know, did he even think for a second about rebuilding right then and there? About calling up trading Russ and having this all be over with? Or, did he think about, let's just keep Russ, re-sign him, Give him the max in the next year. Let's just be what the Orlando Magic are. Let's just middle out with Russell Westbrook. It'll keep fans coming to the stadium. They'll still have a star player. Or did he know right then and there, not only am I not going to rebuild, not only am I going to keep Russell Westbrook, but I'm going to make a big-time move the second it becomes available. The second there's a disgruntled star, I'm putting my hat in the ring. I want to know Sam Presti's mindset when he finds out about Kevin Durant. And if he did think about rebuilding, how legitimate and how far did that conversation get? I would love to know those answers, you know, totally truthfully, no sources involved, just right from Sam Presti and know for a fact what happened. What was everyone's true emotions when they found out Kevin Durant left. And how many different ways could you have gone on that day as an organization? It's crazy to think about, and, and that's that's my answer right there. But let me know where you would have gone back in history. What would be your Thunder moment that you'd want to listen in on? Let me know on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Let me know on the email address if you don't have Twitter, lothunderpod at gmail.com, 
or you can call into the show and tell me your moment, 405-362-7128. So we want to move on here in the Reddit Mailbag, and we have Framus Janko, 1933, and they've participated in the mailbag for a long time, so I appreciate that a ton. They ask, what player would you least want the Thunder to select in this year's NBA draft? My answer, I'm going to give it to you right now, the player's name. We'll talk about it more in the next segment uh, for the Mock Draft Thursday segment, but it is Alci Pukovicki. That's who I would least want the Thunder to select in this year's NBA draft. I'll let you know why. Next segment on the Mock Draft Thursday segment. This one comes from Noto. They ask, are there any players in particular you would want the Thunder to take a look at in the second round? For me, I have a couple of names here, and we'll go through the second round in depth uh, in the coming weeks before the NBA draft, but I'll just throw out these names real quickly. Emmanuel Quickly, no pun intended there, from Kentucky. Tayshaun Alexander, DePaul, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, he's a guard from Creighton. Paul Reed is from DePaul, the big man. Peyton uh, Percher from Oregon, the guard, and Grant Ryler from Charleston a guard from Charleston. This one comes from the number seven. Shout out George Costanza. What do you think the chances are that the Thunder trade up in the first round near the top 10? He also mentions, like I will, it's easier to move up this year in the draft. So this is a great question. I think the Thunder have a great chance to move up and down in this draft. Not only do they have a ton of future assets uh, that teams will want, but they also have a lot of trade chips as well. Uh, I I think that, you know, a lot of teams are going to want to move out of the first round or they're going to be very comfortable drafting late because, Look, you can't even figure out who the top pick is in this class. And a lot of people understand that this draft class is deep. You're going to get role players all throughout the first round. And really deep into the second round, you're going to have role players uh, eventually playing in the NBA from this draft class. So a lot of teams are comfortable packaging their picks and moving down or even moving out of the first round completely. As far as the top 10 goes, I don't think you get in the top 10 unless the Knicks give you the eighth pick for Chris Paul. I think that that's your only chance at the top 10, really. Uh, But... Again, never say never. The Thunder have a ton of future assets. If they really want to cash in and go for somebody in this draft, which I don't see them doing that because this draft is just not that top heavy, uh, they could do that. And near the top 10 depends on your definition. Are, are you saying in the lottery? I mean, how far are we extending this near the top 10 thing? Uh, but I think that starting at 13 uh, and moving back to 20, that's a realistic uh, expectation if the Thunder want to move up to go up there and become one of those top you know, 13 to 20 teams in this draft class. Look, the, the the trade market is going to be fluid. You're going to have the opportunity over and over again to add a pick in this class. I'm not sure what it's going to be at, though. I don't know if it'll be at the top of the draft class, uh, towards the end of the draft class, in the middle of the draft class, but I would be surprised if the Thunder walk out of this draft with their picks at 25 and 53. I'd be surprised if that was what they did. If they make only their selection at 25 and only their selection at 53, I would be pretty surprised. But Sam Presti has surprised me before. So we will have our mock draft segment, which of course is where I scour the internet and find all the mock drafts out there, compile who they each have Oklahoma City taking, and I break down the prospects that they have Oklahoma City taking. And I'll talk to you about draft night coming up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. 
We're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, just in time for the second Mock Draft Thursday of the year. Mock Draft Thursday is going to continue on throughout the length of this podcast, especially this year when the draft becomes so important and the college basketball season starts in less than a month. It's going to be very, very exciting. So, Draft Night is November 18th on ESPN, counting it starting around 7, 7.30 Central Time. The Thunder own two picks right now, the 25th pick in the first round and the 53rd pick in the second round. That second round pick still valuable because I do think that there's a ton of quality NBA players in this draft class. So I scoured the internet, found you, all the mock drafts out there, and I compiled who they have the Oklahoma City Thunder taking. I am Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. So the ringer starting out has our guy from the first segment, Aliski Pukovsky, probably... I'm absolutely not saying that name right, but nonetheless, you get who I'm saying. The 7'3", 200-pound uh, big man. The Athletic has, or 7'3", wingspan, 7-footer, 200-pound big man. The Athletic has Isaiah Stewart, the center from Washington. ESPN has Patrick Williams, uh, the wing from Florida State. Tankathon has Leandro Balmaro. Balmaro? NBA Draft Net has RJ Hampton. CBS has Xavier Tillman, the center from Michigan State. Zeke Naji comes from NBC Sports. He is 6'11 from Arizona, a 240-pound big man. SB Nation and Bleacher Report each have Leandro Balmaro, the shooting guard from Barcelona, as well as Tankathon, like we mentioned before. So I want to dive into why I do not like uh, Alex Alec Pukovicki. Why I don't like that guy and why I don't want the Thunder to draft him. And it's not just because I can't say his name right believe it or not. Uh, but the reason I'm, I'm focusing in on, on him today uh, and not another prospect is because um, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer, who I trust a lot in the draft. Look, Kevin O'Connor, I'll, I'll put it out there, is my favorite draft analysis and my favorite draft guy uh, to go look at. My, dra- my favorite draft analysis comes from KOC, and he says he's heard from two different sources. The Thunder are linked to uh, Pukovicki, and a ton of people are high on him. Uh, a lot of these mocks tra- mock draft I mentioned uh, outside of Kevin O'Connor, uh, has has Pukovicki moving up and up and up, even above the 25th overall pick. So there's a ton of potential there. He's only not, he's only 18 years old. He has a ton of upside. So if you want to take a flyer on him before the rebuild really gets started, I'm not going to get too mad at any pick the Thunder make this year because this is not the time where you have to nail this pick. This pick is really truly a flyer. So if you do think that Pukovicki has the highest upside in this draft, whenever you're picking at 25, go for it. Uh, But I think that that is kind of the mold you're looking for, right? In this draft class, it's boom or bust. So you might as well take take your shot because it's not like we're in next year's class where there are going to be can't miss guys that you cannot miss on if you want this rebuild to get done in a hurry. This pick in this year's draft will not impact your rebuild whatsoever. It could be a nice little addition. It could be a nice little role player for you as you try to contend and get better. It'll not be the reason that you win a championship. It will not be uh, some some glorious pick that we look back fondly on. It will just be a nice little addition if they can turn into an NBA role player. So that's where I'm at with this draft class in general. When I say I don't like them, it doesn't mean that that it'll be a terrible pick. I don't think there's no. I don't think there's a such thing as a terrible pick in this year's draft class. Uh, but 
I'm just not all for him because the ten of people who are hiring him, he's a seven footer with seven three wingspan. He is all bones, a skinny two hundred pounds. So again, two hundred pounds on a seven footer is not that big. He is all bones on his body, and that body build has never found success at the NBA level, especially as a big man. He's really big for no reason defensively. You look at him; he shies away from contact. He doesn't protect the rim. Uh, he is blown by easily. He's not a good defender. He has shooting potential. But he has a bad form on his shot. He plays bad defense. He forces shots up. He shies away from contact on both ends of the floor. Again, can't protect the rim on one side. On the other side, he cannot finish through contact, even at seven foot. I don't see it with him. I don't see the the potential there. And anytime you draft seven footers, you worry about injury. Here's a guy that will have to put on a ton of muscle and a and a and, and build up his body and fill out his body in a quick amount of time to play at the NBA game. And the more you do that, the more stress you put on your body, the more likely it is to break down, in my opinion. And I just don't see it for a guy that can't really do anything great. You could argue he's 18 years old, he has upside, and not a lot of people can do things great in this draft class, but I would counter that with at least at least everyone, to me, around this range, even if their ceiling as a role player are lower than what Pruvitsky's ceiling could be because the ceiling is, is higher and elevated because he's only 18 years old, I don't see it with him because he doesn't do anything great. Look, shooting potential, but a bad form. He has the height to be a rim protector, can't play defense. Forces shots up, which, I again, I'll give him the same pass I gave NCAA guys. When you are looked at as an NBA draft prospect, yeah, more, more likely than not, you don't have a ton of talent around you to where that pressure is put on you to become the leading scorer, and therefore, you jack up more shots than you would if you were surrounded by NBA talent. But the fact that he hates contact and he cannot disrupt shots on the defensive end, he cannot absorb contact and finish through it even as a 7-footer with a 7-3 wingspan, I just don't like anything about Pavisky. And now look, when this report came out from Kevin O'Connor, I heard from a lot of fans on Twitter that they liked him. So that's good. But he's just not my cup of tea. I would go in a different area than this for Oklahoma City. That's just where I fall on Pavisky. I think I said his name differently like six times in that segment. So one of them was probably right, wouldn't you think? Maybe not. But nonetheless, I'm out on him. If the Thunder draft him again, I'm not going to be mad at any pick the Thunder make, really, because I just don't view this draft class as that important. Uh, it, it, it would be a nice cherry on top of whatever this Sunday ends up looking like in the future, because you're, you're really going to make your hay on next year's class and the year after that. This year is just a throw-in. So on tomorrow's show, we're going to dive more into this, but we're going to talk about the players wanting a January or February start more so than a December 22nd start. We're going to talk about the amount of money lost by the NBA. We're going to talk about how much money they recouped from the bubble. We're also going to dive into uh, when we get a clear picture of next season, which will be at the end of this week. Will it be tomorrow? Will it be Friday? It's leaning more towards Friday now with the way that the extensions have drawn on. And I want to start this conversation right here, but the schedule release is going to be very interesting to me because Kevin O'Connor puts out, and Woj as well, that this schedule can be released in two halves. You, you, you only play a half of the calendar, and then you take that mid-season breakout, assume, before you get the next half of your schedule. Because if you didn't know, with the All-Star game going away, they've now proposed getting just two weeks off. No All-Star game, no dunk contest, nothing. Just two weeks off, do whatever you want to. We'll come back and will be rejuvenated for the next uh, stretch run of the season. And that was presumably when the second half of the schedule would come out. That would be interesting to me. I, I don't know um, 
what all goes into that, because we don't know about the amount of times you're going to play each team, when you're going to play each team. I will say for the Thunder and teams like the Thunder, doesn't really matter. I, I mean, there's no trip that can, in the second half of the season, derail their season as they are trying to lose. Whereas with the Lakers, let's say they load manage throughout the first half of the season, as we expect. And now all of a sudden, the second half of the season, they've been dealt two road trips of death. Now the road trips we cut down significantly, and that's why they're changing the schedule. But if you're playing, you know, contender after contender after contender for a couple stretches, that could really hurt if you've not managed your front end of the schedule properly. There's a lot of complexities that go into the schedule, so it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out with the new with the new unveiling of a first half schedule and a second half schedule. That's going to be interesting to me to say the least. But tomorrow's show, we'll talk about what we know, what we don't know about the upcoming season, and hopefully have some resolution uh, by Thursday night, Friday morning. I will say. The report from from Chris Haynes came out today about the players pushing back on December 22nd. Duh, that is how negotiations work. Chris Haynes, his sources are typically players. Woj, his sources are typically owners. That's where their two biases come in, and, and we'll see who wins out. Of course, the players are saying this publicly, but I will I will say it's no coincidence that the moment Chris Haynes puts out that report about the players, Woj counters with a official report with official numbers and official revenue lossage from the NBA. It's an interesting chess match, which we'll get into tomorrow. Uh, you should continue to follow along with the story. I will say I am still confident that when all is said and all is done, deadlines make deals. The deadline is Friday and we will still have basketball December 22nd instead of Martin Luther King day in January, but be good and be good. to one another we'll see you tomorrow on locked on thunder. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.